Thanks for listening to the Oasis City Church podcast. We're located in Boise, Idaho, but wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you and empowers you to take a step towards living a life fully devoted to following Jesus. And uh, my name is Landon Hairgrove. If we haven't had the chance to meet, I'm the lead pastor here at Oasis City. And it is an honor to have you in the house this morning, honor to be with you. Uh, we've been in a series the last couple weeks, if you just joined us or jumping in now. Uh, last two weeks, we've been talking about this idea of being generous, of, of the beauty of giving, of living a lifestyle of generosity. And as we get ready to dive into the last part and close the series out today, what I would like to do is just start with just a story. My wife, a couple weeks ago, she did the unthinkable, and she left me with all three kids for a week. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. But we had so much fun. So my, my wife left to go on a, a retreat for uh, lead pastor's wives. And so uh, she was out there uh, getting leadership development, being poured into by mentors and by other people and just getting rejuvenated. So it was an awesome time for her to get uh, invested in. Uh, at the same time, I had all three kids by myself. And so uh, I have a seven-year-old boy, a four-year-old boy, and an 18-month-old girl who was still nursing, okay? And y'all can pray for me for the next time that happens and uh it was it was it was good but we ran out of milk pretty quickly and that's when things get get a little hairy around my house all right when you run out of mom's milk and you got to move to almond milk it's not the same all right and uh, so anyways my wife had made this document for me and she said hey here's some things while I'm gone to make sure that you can handle everything and I'm like girl I am a pro dad I don't need your document. Send it back to Google. Okay, I don't need your Google Doc. I was like, I got this. But, but I glanced over it just in case, just to see, just to see what was on there. What does she think that I don't know, right? And so I'm looking at this thing, and she's like, make sure you plan out all the lunches. And so I don't like plan for lunches. Who plans for lunches? You just get it, you know, you make the peanut butter sandwich, you do the thing. You send it. It's fine. I'm not going to plan for lunches. So anyways, as she leaves, and we're over the weekend hanging out and having fun, we're eating snacks, doing the thing. Monday rolls around, right? You know, it's like the time when it's like, okay, like, it's going to be sending off kids to school and packing lunches and do that thing. So I didn't plan for these lunches. And I go and realize that we have eaten all the bread. There is no more bread. And so I'm like, all right, what do I got here? So I started digging through the pantry, and now I got this sesame seed bun that I'm slathering peanut butter on and jelly. And I'm like, you know, here, son. <laughs> this is good. It's going to be good. It's going to be fine. I'm like, you need some protein, though. So I'm like going through the fridge. I'm like, here's some old bacon. Like zip that little thing up in there and ship them off with the bacon and his peanut butter and jelly on a sesame seed bun. And I'm like, that's a dad lunch right there. <laughs> and he's like, this is not my mom. And she cuts it in triangles and there's little fruit snacks. I'm like, dude, you ate 15 of those fruit snacks last night. That's the reason why. You ate them all. This is your fault. You know, and so we're having this conversation. Come on, parents, you've been there before, right? It's like you, got, you snuck in the pantry. You know what you did. And so we're having this conversation. But it's funny because, man, I just I just didn't plan for the lunch. I didn't think I needed to plan. And how many know if you fail to plan, you plan to fail? In every area of life, if you, if you fail to make a plan, you plan to fail. And so as we get ready to close out this series, what we're going to do today is we're going to make a plan for our finances. We're going to make a plan for our finances. And so we're going to recap a little bit because the first two weeks, what they really did was just build a really strong foundation. The first two weeks built a foundation for us to build upon so that today we can get really practical and give you some handles that you can actually use and take home today. That's the goal of this message is that you would actually have some things that you can go and implement today in your life that will make a difference when it comes to your financial picture and living a lifestyle of freedom and generosity. So week one, we talked about the heart of the matter. We talked about this idea, hey, who has your heart, God or money? God 
or the spirit of mammon. That's what we talked about, right? This, this idea, who has your heart, God or money? And week two, we talked about, hey, hey, taking the next step in our finances. How do we take the next step towards financial freedom, towards managing our money, towards stewarding it well, putting God first in our finances, right? Through giving of our first fruits, our tithes, our offerings, and eventually getting to this lifestyle of living in such a way that we would say, hey, our whole lives are leveraged for the gospel. That we live this, get to this next step of uh, sacrificial generosity in our lives. And so we talked about uh, getting to this place of stewardship where we're at least getting to the tithe, right? And we gave this 90-day tithe challenge. And Pastor Jordan mentioned it a little, a few moments ago where he talked about how we as a church have, have decided to do a 90-day tithe challenge. 45 people have already jumped in and said, hey, we're going to trust God with our first fruits, our first 10% of our income. And we're going to take God at his word. In Malachi 3, one of the only places in scripture where God says, hey, test me in this and see if, I'll, see if I'm not faithful. See if I won't open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing you won't even have room enough to contain it. And so we believe God's word. We're so confident in God's word that we're willing to say, hey, tithe for three months. And if at the end of those three months, you've not seen God move in some way in your life, if you've not seen God bless your life, we will have our finance department cut you a check back for your tithe during those three months. But we're so confident that God is going to come through and bless you in your life. And you will see him move and be faithful that we're willing to say, hey, let's, let's, let's do this. Let's do this challenge. That's how much we believe in the principle. And so today we're going to get really practical. And we're going to build off these last two weeks. And so I want really to, to, for you to see what I want for you is this. I want you to see the freedom that God desires for you in every area of your life, not just your finances, but in every single area, including your finances. I want you to see the freedom that God has promised for you. I don't want you to live in bondage anymore when it comes to your finances or any area of your life. And so this message is going to be a little different. It's not going to be my typical style. I'm stylistically changing it up because this is a message that's really catered around some basic kingdom principles and, and, and what the Lord's word, what God's word says about financial management and stewardship. And so we're going to walk through Proverbs in a number of different areas and see what the Bible has to say about managing our money and stewarding our money well to lead us into a place of financial freedom and into a place of radical generosity in our lives. Y'all ready? Yeah. Let's pray and then let's go. Jesus, thank you so much for this church. Father, I pray that today you would speak to us, to our hearts, to our minds. God, I pray that we'd drop any kind of uh, preconceived notion about uh, finances or what we think the, the word says, and we would just take what the word actually says, Lord. Would you allow us to be good stewards? Would you allow us, God, to grow in our knowledge and understanding of how to steward our wealth, how to steward our lives, how to steward everything you've entrusted to us for your kingdom's sake? That is our heart's desire, God. We want to grow. We want to learn. And maybe learn by the power of your spirit. Speak to us today. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. 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 So number one, we're going to start with this idea. What does the Bible say about debt? What does the Bible say about debt? I want to give you guys just a few figures. When it comes to the average American household, I want to give you a couple different types of debt and the average that Americans carry. So the average credit card debt in America for an average American household is $15,762 on average, $15,000 in debt. That's, that's a lot. Auto loans, on average, 27,000 plus in auto loans on average for the American household. Student loans is about $48,000, give or take, giving you a grand total of around $91,000 for the average American. $91,000 in debt. Now, while the Bible does not necessarily forbid going into debt, 
what it does is it warns against the dangers of debt and it extols the virtue of not going into debt. And so why would the Bible tell us to be weary of debt? Why would the Bible warn us against debt? Anyone know? Because it robs you of your future. Debt robs you of your future. When you buy today what you can't afford, it robs you of your tomorrow. That's why the Bible warns us against debt and warns us against going into debt and and being a slave to the lender. The Bible's trying to teach us, hey, hey, debt will rob you of your future. And so let's look at Proverbs. Let's start here. Proverbs chapter 22. We're going to be in verses 26 through 27. Start here. Proverbs 22, 26 through 27. It says, be not one of those who gives pledges, who puts up security for debts. If you have nothing with which to pay, why should your bed be taken from under you? Now, this is essentially a, a bit of dad talk, right? A little bit of a dad advice. Essentially, he's saying, hey, don't buy what you can't afford. Who's, who's dad or mom ever told you that? Like, don't buy what you can't afford. Whose parents never talk to you about money, ever? Come on, you can admit it. It's okay. <laughs> so, we all have different parents, different upbringings, but listen, maybe you had the dad or the mom that was always like, hey, don't spend money you don't have. Don't invest money that you can't afford to lose. I remember when Bitcoin first became a thing and it was like really tiny and like cents on the dollar and then it had its first like kind of, you know, skyrocket where it went into like a couple hundred dollars of Bitcoin. It's like 40 some thousand now. But it's like, I remember when that happened and I told my dad, I'm gonna put all of my savings. This is like, I'm like 16 or 17. I'm like, I'm gonna put all of my savings to buy all these Bitcoin at $200 and yada, yada, I think it's gonna keep going. And my dad looked at me and said, son, never invest money you can't afford to lose, which is really good advice. But in that situation, I would be a millionaire. So sad for that, but it was good advice. I should not have at 17 years old dumped all my money into something like that, a risky investment. It was wisdom. But when you buy what you can't afford, you choose to risk what you can't afford to lose. When you buy what you can't afford, you choose to risk what you can't afford to lose. And we see this lesson play out so many times in so many different ways where, you know, it can be avoided by limiting ourselves so we don't overextend in our lives. We can avoid losing things that we can't afford to lose. We can avoid putting ourselves in compromising situations simply by not overextending our means, living below our means. Proverbs 22, verse seven, it says this, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is the slave of the lender. Let me read that one more time. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. Now, the question is this who do you want to be a servant to? Who do you want to be a servant to? We talked about it a couple weeks ago, right? Do you want to serve God or do you want to serve money? Who do you want to be a servant to? You want to be a servant to the lender, a slave to the lender? No, you, you don't, right? But unfortunately for many of us, we end up being a servant. We end up being a slave to last month's nights out on the town, eating food we can't afford. We end up being a servant to last year's big screen TV purchase that we put on buy now, pay later. We end up being put on, uh, we end up being slaves to to our own desires because we're like, man, you know what? I want this new car with all the new features and so I'm gonna upgrade even though I'm already upside down in the car that I'm in, I'm gonna trade it in and trade it up. So now you have more debt for another car that you're upside down in and now you can't make choices you need to make today because you made poor choices yesterday that now affect your future. We have to be so, so cautious, whatever the, the, the I have to have this thing is in your life, whatever the thing is you think that you absolutely cannot live without, be so, so careful. Debt robs you of your future. But how do we, how do we get out of debt, though? 
Like how do, if we're, if we're someone who's like, hey man, I'm a part of that average American household that's like, hey, I'm $90,000 in debt. I'm a part of the average American household and that is me. How do I get out of debt? Let's talk about it. I wanna give you one way to get out of debt. Now this isn't the only way, there's lots of ways. If you get on Google, you look it up for yourself, talk to a financial planner, like, like I'm, not, I'm not a financial planner, I'm not giving you that advice, okay? But I'm giving you one way that has worked for thousands of people, just as an encouragement to look at. And there's lots of different ways, but here's the one I'll give you. The first step is this, recognize that this will change your life. Getting out of debt will change your life. But in order to do that, you have to change your life, your spending habits, the way you live life, the way you spend your money, the way you invest your money, the way you save your money. You have to change your spending habits. Number two, do everything you can to get at least $1,000 in your bank account and have that as an emergency fund that's just that's, that's there. Just get that, get that in your account. Sell stuff, whatever you have to do, have a yard sale, whatever, just to get some money into your account. Like get it into your account and then begin to build up towards three to six months of savings. Three to six months of, of uh, savings for like uh, as far as expenses go. Not necessarily your income for the month, but what are your expenses for a month? Get three to six months expenses into a savings account separated there for you in case of a rainy day, in case God says to up and move one day, in case you lose your job, whatever it would be, it would be wise to build up three to six months. And then use the debt snowball approach when it comes to debt. Who's ever heard of the debt snowball approach? Raise your hands. All right, you did Dave Ramsey at one point in your life, okay? <laughs> if you've ever heard of the debt snowball approach, you know it's, it's a powerful tool. If you've never heard of it, I'm gonna break it down for you. This is what you do. You pay the minimums on all of your credit, your debt, your, your, your uh, auto loans, whatever it would be. You pay the very minimum on all those cards, all those things, and then you take everything you possibly can afford to take and you dump it onto the, the, the loan or the card with the smallest balance, okay? Whatever credit card it is that has the lowest balance, you take everything you can afford to and you dump it onto that card until you pay that card off. Once you've paid off that credit card, the payment that you were paying towards that card, you put on the next card or the next thing with the lowest balance. And you keep doing that over and over. So you take those two payments now. Once you pay that second card off, you take that first card and second card payment, you combine it and you put it on that third one. And then you put it on whatever, if you have a fourth, you put it on that fourth until you have no more debt. It's completely paid off, your credit cards, everything's gone. And then what do you do after that? You spend it, no, I'm just kidding. You don't spend it. You don't spend it, guys, come on. You don't spend it, what do you do? You save it, right? You save that for a rainy day. You start putting that away so you can begin to reprioritize how you spend, what you do, and you begin to look at the financial picture that's starting to unfold now that you are out of debt. Again, hear me, debt robs you of your future. So if you're a person that is tempted by debt, if you're a person who's like tempted to live above your means, unfortunately, the average American lives at 136% of their income, 36% higher than what they make. If you are one of the people that are tempted to live that way, I'm telling you now, cut up your credit cards. Now, I'm not like, I don't agree with everything Dave Ramsey says, okay? I'm not one of those guys like, you can't have a credit card. I have credit cards, but I pay them off immediately. Why? So I get Amazon points, number one. <laughs> so I can get Southwest points. Y'all better believe that I'm trying to get the best deal out here. But I know that I pay them off at the end of the month. Now, now wisdom would tell you, if you are a person who is tempted, you're like, well, I got $50,000 limit on my Amex. It's like, no, you don't. Cut that up, <laughs> get rid of it. If you think that you're gonna overextend yourself, if you're gonna live above your means, if you're gonna buy that new jacket and that new purse and that new whatever because you just want the new flashy thing, cut up your cards, be wise. If you can be disciplined, you can keep them. 
But if you can't be disciplined, cut them up. And listen, just because you cut them up doesn't mean you don't got to pay them, all right? So don't just go cut them up now and think you're done, okay? You still got to pay your debts. But the best way to get a handle on your finances is to practice and follow a budget. So let's move from this idea to this idea of budgeting, okay? It's from debt to budgeting. Let's talk about budgeting. This ties directly back to week two. Last week, what we talked about when we talked about stewardship. When we think about stewardship, this principle of being a good steward, of making sure we're using our money, or not just money, but our entire lives, and stewarding our lives, stewarding our wealth, stewarding our finances well, we have to think about, hey, what does it mean to be a good steward, right? We look after, we manage, we oversee, but we also bring about a return. And so whether that's a little or a lot, wherever you're at, whatever you have, whether you have a little or whether you have a lot, we need to be good stewards of what we have, right? Because he who is faithful with a little can be trusted with much, can be trusted with more, right? And so when we're faithful with a little bit that God's entrusted to us, if we're faithful and we invest and we grow it and, we, and we're faithful stewards, and we're good stewards, God's going to give us more to be generous with. He will enrich us in every way to be generous in every way. That's what we've been talking about, right? So Proverbs 21, verse 20. Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling. But a foolish man devours it. Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. What is this saying? The wise man has a place for his increase to go. The wise person knows what he needs to do so that it's there when he needs it. A wise man knows how to steward the increase in his life. What what does the foolish man do? He devours it. He uses it. He spends it. He, he spends it on fruitless things, things that aren't going to do anything for him. He devours it. And then what happens? He ends up proving himself as a fool. That's what a foolish person does. He uses what he wants, gets what he wants, when he wants, whenever he wants. That's the person who at the end of the month always has more months than money. You know what I'm talking about? There's more months there than there is money there. Why? Because they were foolish and they were ruled by their wants and by their desires rather than allowing the Lord to be Lord over their finances. Proverbs 21, verse 20. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Here's another way we could say this. Planners prosper. Planners prosper. If you don't plan, if you don't have a budget, if you don't know how you're gonna steward the money that God has entrusted to you, you will end up using it foolishly. Planners prosper. Make a plan for your money. Begin to actually build a budget. What is a budget? A budget is simply a plan for your money. That's what a budget is. Did you know that roughly 38% of Americans don't have a budget? 38%. And most of those believe they don't actually even need a budget. Now, while 62% of Americans do have a budget, only about 50% of those, give or take, use and stick to that budget. So they may have one sitting somewhere in like a, a, you know, a financial spreadsheet or they may use an app and they just never actually look at it. They don't stick to it. 50% of that 62%. So I would say this, if you don't have a budget, make one. If you don't have it, make one. If you do have a budget, y'all, come on, let's stick to it. Let's stick to it. Let's stick to it. Let's be wise. Let's steward the things that God has given us well. And so if you've never built a budget, you can start with this. Like, start with just tracking your expenses. Hey, where are we spending money? Y'all, be honest with me. Who's ever clicked on one of those free trials that's like, hey, first 30 days completely free, and you're like, I'm going to cancel it on day 29. And then a year later, you go, why am I paying for this? 
because you didn't ever cancel it, right? Anyone ever done that before where it's like you sign up for the free thing and you're like, fine, I get on to my wife about this all the time. Listen, listen, you want to talk about financial fights? This is what it's about right here. It's like, babe, why are we paying $29.99 for this thing? And she's like, well, I signed up for this free thing. I'm like, well, it ain't free anymore. <laughs> now it's cost us 90 bucks over the last three months that we forgot about it. And so we have to be wise. We have to begin to actually be ruthless about looking at our budget and going, hey, do we really need Disney, Hulu, Amazon, Netflix, uh, ESPN Plus, YouTube TV, and cable? Like, do we really need all these things? And you have to begin to actually step back and be kind of ruthless about, hey, where do we actually invest time? And I'm not saying any of those things are bad. Like, cool, enjoy a show. But are you using your time wisely, number one? I would evaluate that. If you're really using, if you're like, yeah, I need all those, I'd say, man, I'd ask the question, are you really using your time wisely? Number two, I would say, hey, do you really, are there things that bleed over? Like, can't you just, why do you need cable and YouTube TV? <laughs> like, you know, like, can't you make a decision? Like, like, begin to be wise about how God has given you your finances. Don't, don't just spend it to the sake of spending it. Or because, man, well, this is just this one show that I really like on this one thing. It's like, just be wise. Ruthlessly evaluate, do I really need these things? And assign every dollar. Give every dollar a job. Like, don't let any dollar just, like, sit out there. You know what happens when a dollar just sits out there unassigned? Y'all spend it, right? I spend it. <laughs> Give your dollars a job, assign every dollar a place to live and adjust as necessary or as led by God when it comes to your generosity. If you end up at the end of the month and you begin to rebudget, reprioritize, and you have the extra left over, save some, give some, invest some. Like, like, allow, ask the Lord, Lord, where would you have me use this money? Why do I have this increase? What do you want me to do with what I am budgeting now? And if you've never built a budget, I would say this is a great place to start. If you're like, hey, I've never done this budgeting thing. I don't even know where to start. Like I said, track your expenses and use the 10-10-80 rule. The 10-10-80 rule is this. You tithe 10%, you save 10%, and you live off 80%. And that's a great baseline to start as you're on a journey towards radical generosity and financial freedom. Tithe 10, give God his first fruits, give back to the Lord, and then save 10, and then live off 80, and make it a goal to get past that 10 Make it a goal, get past the 10 and past the 10 of savings, past the 10 of tithing and get into this place of radical generosity, get into this place of saving for your future in in, in, in advanced and and great way when it comes to uh, your children's future, their college, uh, cars, anything that's gonna come down the line and then make that 80% shrink, not because you're living on less, but because God's going to bless you with more. And as he blesses you with more, it's so that your, like I said, your standard of giving can increase, not just your standard of living. And so it's like, hey, we're actually gonna be able to live as God blesses us on 50% of our income or 40% of our income because God has blessed you with more. It's amazing how you'll watch this happen in your life where God will show up in those moments. So if you never started anywhere, start with that 10, 10, 80. But let's talk about saving for a moment. Let's make a shift. Let's talk about saving. There is generous, like generally, and this is again a generalization, a spender and a saver in every marriage, every relationship. A, a saver and a spender. Let's see where you at, savers. Raise your hand if you're the saver in the relationship. All right, spenders, come on, walk of shame. Put it up. All right, here's the thing. Most of the time, there's a saver and a spender, but sometimes there's both savers or both spenders. All right, now in my relationship with my wife, We are both savers. Now, this is what I will say about that, though. Brooke saves so that we save. I save so that we can spend, right? (laughs) So so 
here's the thing. I have expensive hobbies. I like hunting. I like fishing. My hobbies you know, make me drive four hours away. I need to have very nice, good gear for warm, you know, to stay warm in cold weather. I am, I'm a wussy about that stuff. All right? Like, I got I to gotta have warm gloves for these little hands. Got to be toasty. Right? And so I have expensive hobbies. But my wife over here, she just wants us to save, to be wise, to be in a good position. And so we, we have these uh, differences there. But if you are a couple who are both spenders, I would say this, be very careful. Be very careful. You need to learn quickly if you are both spenders. You need to figure out how to become a saver, okay? And if you are a saver, I would say you need to manage the budget in your relationship. So if you're a spender and a saver, you have both in your relationship, let the saver be in charge of the budget. Saver, right now I'm telling you, if you're like, why are we saving more? It's because you let the spender be in charge of the budget. Don't do that. <laughs> like, flip rolls and start to manage the budget if you are the saver. Let's talk a little bit more about saving. Proverbs chapter 6. Verse 6 through 8 says this, Go to the ants, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. She gathers her food in harvest. You know what's sad? There's a lot of us that aren't even as wise as ants. Ants know that, hey man, if I save now, it'll prepare me for hard days later. But for so many of us, we don't prepare for anything now. We're not preparing for hard days later. We're just spending what we have, and we're just hoping that, man, somehow we'll scrape by, or you know what? We'll just put it on the Amex again. We'll just put it on the Visa. We'll just like, you know, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Be wise. Save now and prepare for the future later for difficult days ahead because I'm telling you, they will come. Y'all know the economy is cyclical, right? It's like if there's a great time, you know there's a bad time coming. And if there's a bad time, you know there's a great time coming. It is, it is cyclical. We're going to see this. There's going to be hard times. There's going to be great times. There's going to be moments of kind of stalemate where we don't know what's going to happen. There's going to be different moments, but we want to be prepared. It's also a great way. Savings is a great way to prepare for future expenses because how many of you know cars break down? Who's, who's got car breaking down right now? And you're going, man, I don't know about all this. Yeah, it's not fun, right? Brakes go out. Alternators need replaced. And I'm not a car guy. I don't know what else breaks. But y'all know they break. Ball joints go out. You know what I mean? Your car, if it's wobbling down the road, you might need an alignment. You know, there's all kinds of things that begin to happen. When your car starts to break down, you need to have some savings in place to be able to take care of your needs, right? Think about this. Your house, it's going to need a roof at some point, right? You're going to need a roof. You need to replace pipes. The HVAC system's going to go out. You need to do water heater. Like, there's going to be things that will break over time, and we want to be prepared. We don't want to be caught off guard at the end of a month where we have nothing, and we're not saving. We're just living on what we're living on, and all of a sudden, the HVAC system goes out, and they're like, hey, that's going to be $18,000, and you're going, huh? And you're going, how do I make sure insurance comes? No, I'm just kidding. Joking. Don't do that, all right? You're going to be in trouble. But this is what I would say. Save wisely. Things happen. Things break down. Your kids grow up. They need new clothes. They need new things. And you want to make sure you're able to provide things you are because of saving, right? Even for like, you have to at least consider the possibility of emergencies. What if your kid falls off the trampoline and breaks an arm? You're going to want to make sure you have some money in a savings account for emergency. So number one, when it comes to saving, save up that $1,000 emergency fund. That $1,000 should be enough to at least cover an ER visit, right? To, like, if you break your arm, that should cover the basis of just getting you to the ER, getting that taken care of. Get at least $1,000 in that account. Make that the goal as the baseline and build from there. Number two, like I said, save three to six months of expenses. Be ready. What if the Lord tells you tomorrow, hey, I want you to move and take this new opportunity. I want you to go to this city. I want you to go to such and such place. Hey, what if tomorrow you lose your job? What if your manager walks in or your owner or whoever it is in your company and says, hey, 
we got to let you go. I'm sorry. We're having hard times. Like, you know, revenue is not where it should be, and so we're making cuts. What if that happens? Do you have money prepared to get you through that first three to six months? Start saving for that. Number three is to save for the future purchases, those, those cars, those, uh, next, your next house. Come on, if you got more kids coming, how many you know? When you get more kids, you're like, you need more house. <laughs> so whether it's more, you know, more room, whether you need to move from uh, your Toyota Corolla to your uh, Toyota Sienna, get the minivan, come on, you know you need it. All the extra cup holders, you know? <laughs> like whatever it is that you're moving up into next, you wanna be prepared for that. So save for those cars, save for the next house, save for your kid's college. Like save, if you wanna see your kids go to school, start saving now, start investing now, start finding ways to put money into a college savings account so that when they get there, they have something, something to get started with. Be wise. Number four is long-term saving. Save for your retirement, save for your future. So whether that's investing through an IRA, a 403B, a 401K, whatever financial structure you choose to use when it comes to saving for your retirement, ask your, 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 your job. Let them know, say, hey, what do we have? If you're not currently investing in your retirement, ask them. Many employers will match uh, at least some portion of your retirement. Say, hey, well, you know, what do you guys do? Well, we match up to 2%. So you start investing 2%, they'll match you at 2%. Like you'll see many employers have something like this. Ask, find out, start to invest in your life. Uh, word of warning though, as we save. As we save, as we try to prepare for the future, I want to warn you about something. Be very careful about the motive of your heart as you save. Because your security and your peace is not found in money. It's in God, right? So as you save, we save because it's wise. But is it money that's going to save us? No. Is money going to be what gives us peace? No. Is money what gives us security? No. It's God. And so we need to be very careful to be God-dependent and not independent. Proverbs 18, 11, a rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his imagination. So, so a rich man's wealth is like a strong city and like a, like a high wall, but in his imagination. It's an illusion, friends. Your money could be worthless tomorrow. Who is going to provide for you? Is it going to be money? No, it's gonna be God. Will he use money sometimes to do that? Sure. But God is our provider. God is our protector. We don't put our trust. We don't put our hope. We don't put our future in money. We put our hope and our future in God. Amen? One of the dangers of saving is looking at it as a source of security in our lives. We need to be careful. So we need to remember that first and foremost, God is our provider and our protector. Let's go to Luke chapter 12, and let's see what it says here. Luke chapter 12, 16 through 21, it says this. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, hey, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this and I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things that you've prepared whose will they be so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards god see it comes down to the heart it's all a heart issue when it comes to saving when it comes to storing is jesus trying to tell us hey do not save that's bad no he's not trying to tell us don't save he's trying to address the condition of our hearts hey do not save because you think your security is found there your security is found in me. Hey, you can save all you want, and it's wise, and it, and it may help you at some point. But at some point, man, you're going to die. And who cares what you saved? It's going to be gone. 
All the things you build up, it's all going to go away. Moth and rust destroy all this stuff. So be more concerned about what God values than what you value. We as people need to be people that value what he values and trust in his provision instead of our own wealth, instead of these other things in our lives. We need to be focused on what he's focused on. We're meant to value what he values. So yes, live wisely, but value what God values. Let's take this one step further. What does the Bible say about investing? Investing. If you're taking notes, write this down. Ecclesiastes 11.6. 11.6. Mark this in your Bible. Ecclesiastes 11.6. In the morning, sow your seed, and at evening, withhold not your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. What is the scripture saying here? Diversify. Diversify. When it comes to investments, like this isn't rocket science. Anyone who's been in the investing world took a business class. You know this. When you're investing, you diversify. You don't put all your eggs in one basket. Why? Because it, the, the, incre- the chance for increase is much smaller when you're putting all your eggs in one basket than if you were to spread out to invest in multiple areas, to spread seed here, 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 and here. You know that eventually it's probably going to fall on some good ground. And you're going to see a return. And we'll see, like, just Google diversifying investments, and you'll see all sorts of experts say, hey, it mitigates and reduces your risk. It, it'll protect you in a volatile market. To, to spread out your investments, it gives you greater opportunities to see return because you're investing in more things. Because you don't know where the greatest return will be. Like, you don't know what's going to end up popping off. You want to make sure that you are wise and you diversify and you invest in various spots. Proverbs 13, verse 11. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Now, there's two ways to look at this. The first one is if you get a lot of money all at once, you're unlikely to steward it well. You could look at it that way. The scripture would would lead to that, right? Getting a lot of money hastily, fast, is a a way for us to not handle money well many, many times. Anyone ever met a lottery winner? Raise your hand if you've ever known someone that's won a lottery. If you're protecting their identity, raise your hand. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. But I've met a lottery winner. I know someone who's won is a smaller lottery, but it was still a significant amount. How many, you know, 3 million or 300 million is still a lot of money, right? And so I knew someone, and it's like, you think they'd be set for life. Like, how many of you are like, man, if I won the lottery, I'd be good. I'd I'd be good. And you think that, right? But if you just even look at stats of past lottery winners, what happens when they win the lottery? Most of the time they go out and they do what? They spend it. They, they buy the big mansion. They buy, you know, the Rolls Royce. And they're like getting in private jet. And they're like, woo, like, oh, this is awesome. And what happens is all of a sudden they got a property tax bill for like $4 million a year for that big old mansion. They go, oh, my gosh. And all of a sudden that money goes until it's gone. And now they end up having to sell the house that they bought, the car that they bought, and they end up back right where they started. Why? Because they gained it hastily and they didn't steward it well. They didn't invest it. They didn't save it. They, they changed their style of living completely. And, and listen, Sports Illustrated has estimated that 78% of NFL players and 60% of NBA players are bankrupt or at least under financial stress within two years of retirement. Why? They didn't steward their money well and they live crazy, and they spent it like it didn't matter. Like, who cares? I'm going to buy this, do that, and I'm going to live life like this. And what happens is they retire, and that money, that stream of income stops coming in, and they didn't invest, they didn't save, and they've lived at this lifestyle that's way up here, and now they're bankrupt. Or now they're under extreme financial stress because they didn't steward their money wisely. I would say this too. Watch out for people that come to you with a get-rich-quick scheme. If someone comes up to you, hey, 
You want to make a lot of money fast? Be careful. You want to make 20000 a month? Yes, but I don't believe you. <laughs> I don't believe you. Be very, very cautious of get-rich-quick schemes. We want to invest and invest wisely and invest now so that you can reap the benefits of that investment later. Let's just talk about some numbers for a moment. So if you invest $200 a month at an 8% return, now the average return over the last couple of years has been around more like 11%, so even better than this, but we're just gonna go with 8%. If you invest $200 at 8% return and start at age 35, by the time you're 65, you'll have $301,000. But if you start at age 25, so 10 years earlier, you'll have $705,000. But if you started at age 25 and you stopped investing completely by age 35, so just 10 years, you'd have $405,000. This is the power of starting younger. So young people in the room, hear me, invest now. Don't wait, invest now. If you're someone who is older and has said, I've not invested, start now. Like start now. There's no better time to start investing than today, now. You, you would have to invest $470 at 35 to catch up to the 25-year-old investing 200 to even get to where they are. You have to invest more. So I would say this, invest aggressively and invest now. And if you don't know where to start, I would recommend, there's, a, there's an app called Acorns. It's super simple. It's like the world's easiest investment app. If you've never invested before and you're like, hey, I have no idea where to start. I'm not a financial person. I don't get it. I don't understand. Go to the app store, download Acorns. It'll walk you through it. Super user-friendly, super easy. But it's a way for even when you spend on your debit card, if you spend, you know, $9.20, that other 80 cents, it'll round up that nearest dollar and invest it in the stock market for you. It's an easy, simple way to begin investing. So if you've never invested before, I would say that's a great place to start. Uh, And then if you want to talk to a financial planner or somebody, I would recommend it. Find somebody, uh, whether it's a financial planner, whether it's someone who is a business person that you respect in your life, find them, ask them, hey, how do I manage my wealth well? How do I build for the future for my kids? How do, I, how do I become a person of radical generosity? Find the person that you're like, hey, this is one of the most generous business and kingdom-minded people that I know and talk to them. Ask to buy them a cup of coffee and get a few minutes of their time. But, but if you also, if you're just someone who's like, man, I just literally know, know where to start. Like I said, Acorns is a great place. But also you can email info at oasiscity.church. I'd be happy to send you some resources, some books, some podcasts, um, some things you can listen to, some places you can start to learn some of this stuff um, and even connect you with some people in our church that would probably be happy to share uh, just some basic advice as well. So info at oasiscity.church. Like I said, we'd love to give you some resources. But if you're looking at your spouse right now, if you're elbowing them going, should we invest? Yes, it would be wise. It would be wise. If you're someone who's looking yourself in the mirror, just thinking internally, man, should I be investing in some way? Yes, it would be wise. It would be wise. But, but what's the point of managing our finances well, of saving, of budgeting, of investing, all these things? Why, what's the point of stewarding any of this well? Like, I don't even understand. What, what's the point? Why? Why does it matter? I would say this, we should steward our money well so that we can be generous in every way. That's the why. That's the why. So we can be generous in every way, so we can set ourselves up to live this lifestyle of sacrificial generosity we talked about last week, so that we can actually live to give, so that we can say, God, whatever whatever you want to use my life for, use it, so that we're not bound by debt, we're not shackled up, and when God says to give, we're like, I can't, because we have become a slave to the lender. 
That's why it matters. Because this is the best life, being free to give generously to God's house and his mission, to advance the gospel, to be able to give generously to those in need, to be able to be the person that hears about a need and steps in, that doesn't even have to call anybody else or tell anybody else, that just can step in and meet that need, to be the person that hears about projects in our city and says, you know what, I'm gonna invest in this project in our city because I believe in the work that they're doing and I believe that it's gonna open a door for the gospel to go forth. That's why it matters. That's why we should be stewards. It's so that we can be people that manage our money well so we don't live a comfortable life. That's not the point, not just to live a comfortable life. No, the goal of managing our money well is so that we can actually make a difference in the world that we live in. That's the goal. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 10 through 11, we talked about this first week. I'm gonna read it again. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. We are blessed to be a blessing, friends. We are blessed to be a blessing, and we should steward our resources well so that we really can be generous in every way because the value of my life, I don't want it to be determined by like, man, how much I achieved. I don't want people to be like, man, the, the legacy that's being left behind is like about, hey, this is what this person achieved. This is what they accumulated. No, no, no. I want people to know, man, did, did I give my life for the gospel? Did I, did I give everything I had? I, I don't want it to be the person who just accumulated a lot of stuff. No, no, no. I want to be a person that gave a lot of stuff. I want to be a person that gave a lot of my life. I want to be a person that gave time. I want to be a person that went after the things of God and said, hey, God, use my life. Use my stuff. Use whatever. It's yours anyways. That's what I want for my life. What do you want for yours? What do you want for your life? 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. Last scripture. Verse 17 says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. That is the goal that we would live generous in every single way. And, and so my hope is that in this series, it was a blessing to you. My hope is that the series began to help you understand how God calls us to relate to money. Listen, I wanna be a church that's not weird about talking about these things. Like, like I don't wanna be a church that's like, man, well, it's, it's weird to talk about money. It's cringe to talk about money. It's weird to talk about sex. It's cringe to talk. I, I, I wanna be a church that can address any topic, whether it's cultural issues, whether it's uh, issues on uh, finances, whatever it is. Like, I want to make sure that as a church, every area of our lives, we have a biblical worldview and framework that we work from when we look at the issues of society today in every single area. So we will not shy away from hard topics. And that's what this series was about. And so if there's just like a simple way for me to say what the last three weeks have been and what I want you to take home with you today, these final three things you can write down. And we're gonna dismiss in a moment. I'm gonna pray for you. Number one, don't let money steal your heart. Number two, put God first in your finances. Start with a tithe. Put God first. And number three, manage money wisely so we can move towards a life of sacrificial generosity. Would you stand to your feet with me? Father, I pray in the name of Jesus.
Father, in the name of Jesus, would you bless this church? Would you enrich them in every way, God, so they can be generous in every way? God, I pray that everyone today that has felt the conviction of, man, I need to steward what God has entrusted me better. God, I pray you would give them not only the discipline to walk into freedom, but God, I pray that you would give them the strategy, the resources, that they would take what they heard today, they would take it a step further. God, they begin to do research, they begin to take steps, they begin to dig deeper into your word, deeper into these principles, that they'd find amazing people that can partner with them, keep them accountable, walk with them. But God, I want to see them live in freedom, and I know that's your desire, so that's my prayer. Father, allow every individual in this room to walk out the freedom that you desire in every area of their lives, including their finances. Father, I pray for this church. I thank you for what you're doing in our church, for what you're doing in our lives. Father, kill greed, kill selfishness inside of us, and allow us, God, to be people that live lives of radical, selfless generosity, because that's who you are. We love you so much, Jesus. In your name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you. Give you grace and peace. Thanks again for listening to the Oasis City Church podcast. We would love the opportunity to connect with you, pray for you, or give you next steps on your journey of following Jesus. Send us an email to info at oasiscity.church to get connected today.